sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. We're a little bit over a month away from the college football playoff, and it certainly would appear that Ohio State is going to have an opportunity to play in it. Welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today, our second hour of the show, just after 1 o'clock here on the East Coast on this Tuesday, December the 9th. Committee is meeting to determine whether or not Ohio State can get in without playing six games. It does appear that will be the case. Texas A&M with the possibility of those two teams going head-to-head. Jimbo Fisher very smartly says, why in the world would I want to play Ohio State when we're in the five spot and Notre Dame is going to play against Clemson again? And if Notre Dame wins, we could be in the championship. So, I mean, Texas A&M is not going to play any additional games. Neither is Florida, neither is anybody else. So they'll all wait to see if Ohio State gets in. Uh, But certainly, Joe, we'll uh, have an interesting bowl season coming up here, a little bit of a month away from that. A little bit later in the show, we'll go through some of the Heisman odds. But I just don't know what else the committee is supposed to do. They can't just literally schedule a game five days from now. I understand last week that happened with BYU and Coastal Carolina, but I don't think you can just make a habit of doing this. And so there's really no opponent for Ohio State to face. Is it a habit or is it just what they're going to have to figure out and try to do? And how do other teams feel about the fact that they might have to play less games and still be eligible there? And I I don't know if you're the five, the six, the seven team, and you're looking at that and saying, hey, wait a minute, we're out there and we're playing all the games. And and I know some of this is out of Ohio State's hands. I get that. But this is a this is an unfortunate set of circumstances. And I don't know what the solution is, to be honest with you. I have no idea how they go forward here. I think in terms of talent, in terms of program, in terms of what you've seen from Ohio State in the games they played, they certainly deserve to be in that conversation. But Craig, do you think that they should have to play a minimum number of games just from the perspective of competition from the rest of the teams that already have? No, I I think that Ohio State can play the number of games that they have now. And if, if the committee feels like they are one of the best four teams in the country, then they should head to the college football playoff. If in the NFL only one team plays 16 games and the rest of them play 17 or two teams play 16 games and the winning percentage is how you determine that and it's one game short, then you put that team in the playoffs too. Everyone knows what everyone is taking on this year. College basketball, you'll have teams playing different amount of games throughout the season. There's no question about that. And so I just don't know what the one game will do, Ohio State. If it was more than that, I think that there may be a little bit of a beef and I certainly understand that perhaps from Texas A&M's point of view, when they look at it at the end of the season, and I don't know, look, obviously if Florida beats Alabama, we'll have a different story coming up in the SEC championship. But if Texas A&M watches Notre Dame beat Clemson a second time, um, then they're going to be in the Final Four. Now, if for some reason Clemson beats Notre Dame, uh, Texas A&M is going to be screaming from the rooftops that Ohio State should not be in it. That's basically what's going to happen here. And they're not going to do Ohio State any favors by playing them and giving them the opportunity to maybe beat them. Texas A&M's had a great year. They've lost one game. They've lost to Alabama. That's it. They beat Florida. They're sitting ahead of Florida. Well, in the college question for you, right? Would you want to control you? I mean, I understand there's certainly risk there. And I guess, you know, there's fear of that as well. But if you're Texas A&M, do you say, hey, this is an opportunity for us to go out and knock this team off in Ohio State. And if we do, then we've solidified ourselves as one of the best four teams in the country. Is there something from a competitive 
standpoint in those in that organization in that college in that that you think they might want to actually do that uh, as we welcome in our radio audience not really no um I, I think that I think I think that Ohio State is is a great football team. I don't think this is, this is Texas A and M being scared, or or you know basically. I mean, look, I suppose if Ohio State was willing to go play at Texas A and M, then maybe there's some of that that could be held. But the Aggies are in a really good spot right now, like a like an excellent spot to make it because let's be honest. Um, uh, you know, anything can happen in that Clemson, uh, that, that Clemson Notre Dame game in the ACC championship. And sure, by the way, absolutely. Florida, Florida, could, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but Florida could beat Alabama. We don't know that about that either. So, yes, it's sort of backdooring their way in Ohio State, but you have to ask the question, is it their own fault? And I think that the answer is no. Uh, every team should not have to do what Coastal Carolina and BYU did. They understood what happened when they took this on. This is really the fault of the Big Ten because while all the other conferences were playing, the Big Ten was waiting. And had they started a little bit earlier, they probably could have figured this out. But simply put, Texas A&M is not a Big Ten game. They're in the SEC. If it's up to the Big Ten, figure out some other team in the Big Ten to play. I don't know how you do it, where you do it, why you do it. Maybe some other school decides that they don't care about playing. But beyond that, they gotta as it's a cliche, they gotta make their own bet in this one. And and um and I and I do think that Ohio State's one of the best four teams in the country. All right, our headlines real quick. Uh, Michigan State, Virginia, no game tonight, uh, due to COVID. The only two teams that were ranked tonight were gonna play against each other. Uh some good college games tonight, though, by the way. Maryland Clemson starts at five o'clock Eastern. I'll check out that one. How about Chicago State? Not a great college basketball team, and they're only going to have one coach tonight. <laughs> it's Loyola Chicago. It's a wild year for sure. Uh, AJ Boy suspended for uh, violating the league's uh, PED policy. And certainly, we're going to have uh, some interesting games, I think, in college basketball tonight as well. We got FSU ranked 20th in the country. They take on Indiana, another kid that went to my. Uh, my son and daughter's school, Scotty Barnes, is now a potential All-American at FSU, maybe a one-and-done player there. So looking forward to catching him. And then Rhode Island at Wisconsin at 4.30 Eastern. By the way, all the games in college basketball, if you're wondering what a great place to watch all of them in reaction to it is, it's our show In Game Live. But it's immediately after Scott Farrell is over, the guys, Cam Stewart, Gabe Morrissey, they start breaking this thing down for two straight hours, telling you who's winning, who's covering the props, everything that you can imagine to do it later today. Dr. David Chow joins us next. We'll go over the injuries in the NFL with Christian McCaffrey. We'll tell you next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Each and every week, we check in on the latest with NFL injuries with Dr. David Chow. You can follow him on Twitter at ProFootballDoc. His website, ProFootballDoc.com, is the website each and every week to catch up on all of the latest injuries. And you know you need them more than ever. The fantasy football playoffs are here. You can't go into the week not knowing what's going to happen. Also, you can catch his podcast over on OutKick. Dr. Chow, great to see you yet again. Fantasy football playoff time is here. We need you more than ever. 
Well, yeah, uh, congratulations to everyone who's in the playoffs, and hopefully we can provide some uh, assistance. Yeah, well, let, well let's start off with uh, the, the same probably player we've been asking about for a long time now. And here's Christian McCaffrey. You drafted him at the beginning of the fantasy football season. He, he uh, Two years ago, Dr. Chow, he won a championship for me. Last year got me to the championship. So, you know, I had the first pick, second pick in the draft. Here we are this week. I know Carolina's going through some COVID stuff here, and I didn't want to have to start with that, but I guess that's kind of where we do. So uh, on the one hand, let's let's ask the question, with the week off coming back, I know that this is what you said all season long. We were probably going to wait until after the bye. Here we are. Does McCaffrey come back to help teams win a championship, or are we done seeing him this year? I think he comes back. I'm very confident he comes back. I hope I'm not wrong because I've expressed all this confidence. But as pessimistic as I was for the last few weeks that he was coming back, I am the opposite. I'm that confident he will come back and bear a full load for a couple of reasons. Number one, Carolina has been waiting for him to be full to play him. Look at when he came back from the high ankle sprain. He had 28 touches before he left late in that game. I expect him to have a high number of touches. And remember, for a running back, a shoulder issue is something that you can come back with full because your legs, you're still working out, you're still doing everything. So this is the week. If you're lucky enough to have survived your season <laughs> carrying Christian McCaffrey, here is your payoff. Speaking of which, another player on a bye had a minor surgery I read about, Chris Godwin of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, what was that surgery, Dr. Chow, and is there any concern for this week's game? Uh, no, I actually call it good news. The surgery was to remove pins for a fracture that he'd been playing through on his finger slash hand. And let me tell you, you don't remove pins until the bone is healed. And in addition to that, besides it having been the bye week, in week 12 before the bye, I might not have it exact, but uh, he had almost 100 catches, 97, sorry, 97 yards, I think eight catches or something like that. So he's still being targeted. He's still catching the ball with the pins in mm. nobody takes out pins unless it's healed so if anything it's good news i don't see a worry about chris godwin this week all right well one of the big surprises in fantasy especially over the last few weeks has been the running back on the washington football team antonio gibson who left monday night's game they ended up winning without him but boy we could certainly use him in the fantasy football playoffs uh, kind of found it strange. He tweeted during the game. It kind of meant that, I mean, they called him questionable to return, and he's tweeting during the game. I'm assuming there was no way he was going to be in that game. What about <laughs> moving forward? Is it Peyton Barber season again in Washington, or can Gibson come back? Well, Peyton Barber or McKissick, I guess. I mean, it depends uh, on the usage. But I think, uh, you know, you're going to miss Antonio Gibson a little bit. I did go back and look at the video and it was seem less ankle and more toe. You couldn't really see the position of the foot toe because the defender fell on it. But that's how turf toes happen. And the way that he walked off and how important the big toe here here is. And this is not a striped Sergeant Holka reference. It's actually real. The big toe is very important for run, jump and push off, especially in a running back. I think he's going to miss some time. How much is in question and how long you stay in the fantasy playoffs is the question. But do not count on him at least this next week and maybe for a couple more. Mm. Now, on a serious note, Dr. Chow, a few years ago, there was a running back, back I believe when you were uh, on the sidelines in the NFL, named Javid Best. He was on the Detroit Lions. He had a concussion, uh, ended up basically his career getting derailed. Great running back at Cal, dynamic running back. 
boy, I hate to see what's going on with DeAndre Swift. And I hate to even see comments from players making comments like Adrian Peterson about how Swift hasn't looked right. I suppose this is probably more of the long-term view than the short-term, because I'm assuming if you have Swift, you can't play him this week. And if you're even considering it, it's more of a 2021 play. Um, concussions are scary. I know they're not always easy to figure out the long-term effects, but I got to tell you, when I heard some of that stuff, Dr. Chow, it brought me back to job at best. Well, you know, there's no question, you know, concussions are scary. And, and in general, concussions and CTEs this entire season has taken a backseat to the other C, COVID, right? And so we haven't talked about him as much, but the, the, the worry and the threat hasn't gone away. And the thing about concussions, I guess you could compare them to stingers or any sort of neurologic issue, neurologic brain, neurologic nerves like stingers. If it doesn't go away quickly in terms of the symptoms, often it lingers. And so once someone doesn't turn around quickly, that's something to watch. Now, Dondra Swift did get cleared, but then either regressed or was sick or something happened. So we're going to have to let that play out here. Uh, and the first thing, of course, isn't our fantasy teams, but his overall health. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right. Uh, two tight ends. Um both who have been in the first half of the season were startable for us and now aren't on the field. So I'll ask you about two. The first is Jonu Smith of Tennessee, uh, this guy Ferkser, who I have on my team, Dr. Chow. I mean, I have both, Jonu Smith and Ferkser. And, I, and I, honestly, from a fantasy perspective, I want one in and one out. I don't want to have to see both. And then the second is maybe a little bit of a long shot for the playoff run. So I'm kind of wondering at what week, if there is a week, do you see George Kittle of San Francisco returning? Because there are probably some fantasy owners watching out there right now who have made the playoffs and are thinking, ah, should I add him? Is it wasting a spot? Could I have him back in a week 16 scenario? Do the, do the 49ers even bring him back based on the way they've played recently? Well, there's no question that George Kittle wants to play, right? He always does. And as long as the 49ers are viable in the playoffs, I think there's going to be momentum to bring him back. And Nick Mullins, even if it's not Jimmy G, loves his tight end. So George Kittle would be a great play. The fracture being a cuboid bone, when media was saying he was done for the season, I did not believe he was done. I do believe he will come back this season. I don't think it's going to be this week. Uh, you can not count on it not being this week. Is there? But starting week 15, I think he could start the watch. I mean, you got to ha- open up the 21-day practice window and see how he does. He's obviously going to be fit. But as long as the 49ers stay relevant, I do believe Kittle will be back. Is it going to be week uh, 15, 16, 17? Hard to say. I don't think it's week 14. And then Jonu Smith, uh, you know, weird thing last week. He got hurt the game before, practiced, then stopped practicing midweek. All of a sudden he was out on Thursday of last week. You think he goes this week? Well, you know, being whenever there's a midweek something that happens, it's always hard to get a beat on because I don't get to see it. Sure. So a little bit guessing here. Don't have enough information to say either way. But okay. if you look at pattern, I'd be worried. Okay. Uh, Last thing here. Now, look, it's impossible for me to try and tell a fantasy owner to not play Kyler Murray, Dr. Chow. But this is a very scary trend the last few weeks. The first half of last week's game, Dr. Chow looked like Kyler Murray of last year when Arizona just lost all those games down the stretch. He ended up finishing the game well. He's not running like he used to. Uh, Does 
in your opinion, does Kyler Murray need to sit? Is he healthy? And then my follow-up to that in the final minute, what do you see for the Saints quarterback situation this week? Those two, and that'll be it for today. Well, of course, it always comes down to what your options are, right? And if your options, Patrick Mahomes, of course, sit Kyler Murray, right? I mean, or if it's Aaron Rodgers, sit Kyler Murray. But let me tell you, if you have Kyler Murray, I don't see how you don't play him. It'll be almost four weeks after the AC joint. He's getting better. Don't lose faith in it. I think he'll be okay. And I still believe, despite Sean Payton's pessimism, there is a shot that Drew Brees could play in week 14. He's eligible to come off injured reserve. All right. Dr. David Chow joining us here. Of course, follow him for all of the injuries and not just the skill positions, the offensive line, the defensive line at Pro Football Doc and ProFootball.com to get the latest. It is fantasy football playoff time. If you're not paying attention to injuries, what did you play this whole season for? This is your big week. <laughs> Dr. Chow, thank you again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Look forward to catching up for week two of the fantasy football playoffs. Have a great one. Thank you. All right, Dr. David Chow joining us here on Fantasy Sports Today. We'll take a quick timeout. Joe Pizapia joins me back next as we continue to roll on this Wednesday edition of FST here on SportsGrid. Make sure you stay on the grid. We're back in just two minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. With sports betting being legal all around the country and most likely in a place near you, it's probably time for you to get set up over on FanDuel, folks, because they have the best options, both uh, all kinds of in-game options, lots of fun, future bets, speaking of which we're going to get into here on this segment, college football, some pro football. Joe and I, welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Uh, let's take our first look, Joe. Actually, this could be our last look at the Heisman Trophy Award before this weekend, to be honest with you, because I, I look, I, I've been saying for three weeks in a row, it's going to get decided this weekend. And uh, yeah, I'm wrong all three weeks. So here we go. It's going to get decided this weekend. I'll say it again. Uh, here, is, here are the Heisman Trophy Award winner odds, courtesy of our friends at the FanDuel Sportsbook. And Mac Jones is now the favorite, as he should be. Kyle Trask has not played well the last couple of weeks, but Florida has still won. So uh, Alabama will play Florida coming up in the SEC Championship. And uh, my guess is that's going to determine the winner of the Heisman. I, I suppose it feels that way. Uh, Jones is minus 130. Trask is minus 110. This is very close. You don't normally have a Heisman thing going right down to the end like this, but we do this year. Justin Fields is 20 to 1. I don't think he's got a shot in bleep to win this thing. I don't think that's a good <laughs> bet. And Trevor Lawrence, I suppose if he throws like 19 touchdowns against Notre Dame, then, then he'd have a shot. Honestly, uh, FanDuel is doing uh, is doing you a favor showing you these odds and thinking that either Fields or Lawrence have a shot. I, I would put them even higher, but I suppose they got to protect themselves if something was to happen. And I don't even know how it could. Honestly, I see no scenario where Fields or Lawrence win. So uh, Jones and Trask, they'll go head-to-head, -head, Joe, in the, in the SEC championship. Trask has probably been better since the beginning of the season, but the last two weeks he hasn't looked as sharp. And Mac mm -hmm. Jones' performances week in and week out, they don't get all the credit. But last week, how they dismantled LSU, 
kind of put him mm-hmm. on top here a little bit, but make no mistake about it. We're probably going to go into the title game and it's going to be about even maybe Trask is uh, minus 110 Jones is minus 110. And, yeah. and it feels like whoever comes out of that game is the winner wins it. So um, look, Alabama and Brett, I don't know if Brett, if we have a line on that game, but I'm going to, I'm going to say Alabama, I'm going to guess is going to be at least 10 over Florida. I think mm-hmm. in the sec championship game, maybe nine and it's going to be more than a touchdown that I can tell you. And and Joe, I think that that will come out the winner. If if Florida beats Alabama, Trask should win the Heisman. I think that's pretty much done. Yeah, oh, I would agree with that statement for sure. And watching Mac Jones the last couple of weekends, you know, it's hard not to be impressed. It's hard not to understand why he's the favorite. It's amazing though to think here we are, and you know, maybe mostly due to COVID, but also because of you know some of the performances that Trevor Lawrence and Fields, who are the one two going in this year, are twenty to one right now. I mean, that, that's an incredible difference that not one, but both of the favorites for the award heading into the season are now 20 to one shots here at the tail end of it. So that tells you how crazy and upside down things have gotten here. And Trask was this guy that was, you know, way outside of that range. And now he's right there uh, in the thing. What was that, Brett? How many points? 13 and a half. Thank you. Okay. So they're two touchdown favorites. Yeah, that feels about right. I'll take Florida and, and cause I have to, and there's just, you know, that's, that's what I'm going to do. But uh, look, you know, if, if the, if the Gators upset Alabama to that degree, I think that they end up winning. And by the way, if Florida beats Alabama, the Gators will play in the college football championship. If not, I think they'll end up playing Miami in the orange bowl. So that'll be a good game. All right, mm-hmm. Joe, let's take a look at the NFL playoff odds on FanDuel. We're down to the nitty-gritty here. I thought that since uh, the Vikings, we've talked about them quite a bit. <laughs> Go ahead here and, and let and give you the opportunity to either burn some money or make some money here. The Vikings are minus 160 to not make the playoffs. So the overwhelming favorite is on the no. You can get 100 to win 130 on the yes. Their remaining schedule is now difficult all of a sudden. They play at Tampa Bay against the Bears in a game they'll be favored. And then they play at New Orleans in a game they won't be favored. I would guess they will be favored at Detroit. But look, I mean, Detroit is just so unpredictable. They play up and down. And I don't think it would shock anyone if in the last game of the season, the Lions eked out a one-point win or lost by 20. It's They're, they're a very tough team to predict. So... Look, I would not rule it out. I would lean toward no. They they um they don't look good at all to me. I know they won. They don't look good at all though, and so they're going to need to, I think, go three and one in the last four. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, and, and looking at it, uh, this is why that Dallas game was so important. And uh, I kept saying, you know, if you handle your business after they beat Green Bay, I said, look, if you handle your business against Detroit and Chicago here in these upcoming games. We talked about that schedule, right? Carolina, they won. Jacksonville, they won. Dallas was a winnable game. That was the one that's going to stick in their craw here because now they've got to basically come up with a W somewhere between New Orleans and Tampa. And if Tampa wasn't coming off of a bye, I would actually give them a better shot in this game, to be honest with you. I really would. You know, uh, the one thing you can do is actually throw on this team in Tampa. That secondary has some holes in it. Uh, the challenge is running the football against this team, and we all know Dalvin Cook is all world, so we'll see how he matches up. But look, the one thing that Kirk Cousins has been on a really good role here. Jefferson's played great. Thielen came back healthy last week, put up a huge fantasy game. So the Minnesota Vikings can absolutely compete with the Tampa Bay Bucks. They can compete with New Orleans too, uh, especially depending on where they're at in terms of what Drew Brees' situation is. Because look, Taysom Hill has faced the Falcons twice, the Denver Broncos without a quarterback, 
And this week's going to face the Eagles with a backup quarterback. So I don't know if the, the Saints with Taysom Hill has been tested. And I don't know exactly when we're going to get Drew Brees back. So I give them a chance to win one of those other games between those two. I do. And I'm going to stick with this Minnesota Vikings thing. I'm going to go skull all the way. And I, and I think they somehow find a way to get back in there because I do think they're a better football team than Chicago Bears. I definitely think they're a better football team than the Detroit Lions are. And although the Detroit Lions pulled out a rabbit out of their hat last week, I don't think it's going to happen to them every single week. They've had a lot more bad luck. They've had a lot of injuries. So I, I'm still on the Vikings bandwagon for now. So let's see what they do. And even if they lose to Tampa, I'm still on there. Again, I think New Orleans is that one game, which ironically enough is winnable depending on the quarterback situation. Yeah. See, I, I mean, look, I, I, I think, look, it's fun to root for, and I understand that you want it to happen, but I just completely disagree. Like they basically almost lost to Carolina, could have lost to Jacksonville. I can't, I can't even say that they'll be They'll beat the Bears and Lions. Why? Based on what? Those two teams are maybe even better than the two teams they face. They could go 2-0 and against Tampa and New Orleans and lose to Chicago and Detroit. Like, I, I don't trust them at all. So, no, uh, I don't think I don't think 2-2 gets it done. Would it shock me if they went to Tampa and won? Not at all. But but it wouldn't surprise me also if they lost to the Bears because I just don't think they're good. They, they barely beat the, the worst two teams in the NFL, two out of the worst three. So, uh, I would bet no. But I would tell you this, the next bet is better. The one that we're going to look at here, this is, I think this one is even better because the Vikings do at least have a small shot, I think. And some of the things that you said are somewhat realistic. Uh, but look at the odds that you're getting here on Arizona. Now I know risking $170 to win hundred is not a good bet. It's not great, but I think there's a lot more certainty here with Arizona, not making it. They have looked awful the last two months. And, um, I don't think they're. I don't think there's any chance of them going three and one in these next four games. They have one win in the last month, and it was on a hail mary. Uh, they could beat the Giants. Look, they could. They definitely, and they could certainly beat Philadelphia. They could beat San Francisco. They could lose to the Rams. I think they don't win a game. I think they lose all their games the rest of the season. And if if anything, maybe they win one. They've been the least impressive team in the NFC that I've seen. I, I think the no is a good bet. At, minus, at, at risking 170 to win 100. I, I hate laying juice like this, but tell me what's going well with Arizona. <laughs> like, what, what's looking good about them? I, I got I mean, nothing. I, I, yeah. I, I got nothing for you. I mean, we were definitely not on the same page in the last one, but this one, we're right in the same book. Uh, I don't know if they have zero wins remaining. I think they probably win one of these games. And ironically, I think it's either Philly or San Francisco where they actually get a W, believe it or not, um, because they've actually played San Francisco historically really tough for some reason. For whatever reason it is, the Arizona Cardinals really get up to play the 49ers historically the last two years, so just something to take notice of. So don't think that's going to be a cakewalk, even if the 49ers are playing better. But Arizona hasn't played well, and Murray hasn't played well. He has not been the same since that great game against Buffalo. And yes, they did have a a dramatic finish to that game and could have easily have lost. There's no doubt about that. So it could be even worse of a situation. I'm with you. Usually you don't like to lay the juice, but sometimes it feels like in this scenario, at least that it seems like this is a really tough road ahead of them. And I think the last team you want to see right now, if you're the Cardinals, are the Giants, because the Giants, you know, are four quarters going to battle you with everything they've got. You can't put them away. They just refuse to go down. They're not very good, but it doesn't matter because they just continue to play all four quarters to the whistle. And you got to love that about the Giants right now. But I do not like the Cardinals in this scenario. And this is going to be two years in a row where they kind of fall apart in the second half. And I got to tell you, Craig, 
there's going to be some long soul searching going on in the offseason to figure out what's going on, why this is happening. And I don't want to say Cliff Kingsbury's on the hot seat, but man, year three is going to be really pivotal for this organization because you cannot continue to look good and all of a sudden fall apart at the end two years in a row. Uh, but the truth is, is that his first year, they win three games. If they go to seven, it's an improvement. But yeah, next year, they're gonna, I mean, he'll be back. They're just going to have to win nine, I think, right. next year. Pivotal. That would be <laughs> Right. All right, so the, the NFC odds, because of what's happened with Drew Brees, have really been up in the air. And the Saints, as we can see here, went from an overwhelming favorite to, uh, I mean, pretty much a toss-up at this point. Saints and Packers are both about even. $100 to win 220 on the FanDuel Sportsbook for the Saints. $100 to win 350 on the Packers. Those are both really uh, toss-up type bets. Green Bay uh, is very much in the mix here. And if Green Bay gets the home game in December that may, or January, that may be huge. The Rams are plus 500, so they've jumped way back up into the mix, and Seattle's moved down after their last performance at 6-1. to one. Tampa Bay's still lurking at 6-1 to one also, and, and really no one realistic after that point. In fact, these five teams right here are going to be in the playoffs, and, and then there'll be a couple more, but that's it. So, uh, I mean, Joe, I kind of feel like Green Bay, if they could get the home game, I'd feel confident about them, but if not, I think I'd go Saints. That's it. Yeah, I, I reiterate that as well. Uh, I'm on the same page with you again. And and look, I, I think Aaron Rodgers and the Aaron, the Green Bay Packers playing more physical offense. And we've seen that defense for the Saints in a nice rebound lately and keeping on that Saints defense as well. All right, we'll do a little fantasy reality coming up next. Also, the Mets may be closing in on a free agent. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. In the world of the virtual winter meetings in 2020, there are a couple of reports out there. One from Andy Martino of SNY TV that says the Mets... And James McCann are closing in on a contract. Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic also reports that as well. Joe, this is super interesting to me on a number of different levels, and I'll explain to you why. First of all, everyone knows how dialed in I am to this JT Realmuto thing, and I am going to be very shocked if indeed the Mets uh, choose, essentially, James McCann over JT Realmuto. Now, I will say this. If that's the choice that they make, because they end up signing George Springer too, or Trevor Bauer too, then I mm-hmm. think that it, it is an acceptable answer for that. If that is mm-hmm. their plan, if that is Steve Cohen's plan and Sand Alderson's plan. But I got to tell you, making this deal now, and I don't know who's competing, by the way, Joe, for James McCann on December the 9th. I don't know the answer to that. But if that is the choice that they make and they don't get one of those other guys they are certainly not going to be the model of my A-plus offseason because if I'm going to start with somebody, I'm going to start with Real Muto, and then if I can't get him, then I'm going to go to James McCann. Or furthermore, Joe, I'm going to start with Springer, and then if I don't get Springer, I'm going to pivot to Real Muto. It seems like to me, in my opinion, they're going about this backward. That's my opinion. I don't think that you go for the guy that the uh the basically the second rate and and then nothing against james mccann he's a very good catcher but here's the word i was trying to use this is like the consolation to jt romuto is getting mccann right oh man that's a really bad 
Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The consolation. This is worse than, you know, back in the day, you know, you have the three curtains and what's behind curtain number one. And it's like, let's make a deal. It's like, oh, we get a car. But well, you want what's inside the box? No, I don't want what's inside the box. I want to James keep the McCann car. Is very good. James McCann here's is a great yeah, agent to argument to this. And if the Mets end wrong. up with him, it's a great wow. move. If they do, it's a great move with some other things. <laughs> with some other things. With some other things. Well, here's the thing. The Mets catching scenario has been really bad the last couple of years, too. If you recall, I, I can't remember if it was this season or even last season or both, where they were down to like third or fourth string catchers. They were pulling up guys from from like single A, you know, <laughs> they were trying to get guys in there yeah. because the catching position in that organization was incredibly weak in terms of depth anyway. So from that standpoint, I get this. And this is why, you know, we can all roll our eyes and make the jokes about it. And, and I and I also think that from the Mets perspective, an investment in either Trevor Bauer or George Springer is a better investment than Real Muto. And it's not that JT Real Muto is a fantastic player. He is. He's also one of my people. So of course I support him. But you have to also understand that, you know, in the context of when you sort of give long-term contracts to guys who are behind the plate, that can be a, a dicey scenario. And I would much rather give that kind of money to a, a frontline starting pitcher, a, a premium outfield bat like George Springer. And I just feel like that would be a better use of the Mets money. Now, in the end, if they couldn't get those players in Real Muto was their guy, then I don't think the James McCann signing prohibits them from going and getting Real Muto either because that's how bad the catching's been for this team for the last couple of years. So no, they kind of need that. Both? Well, I'm I'm just saying, well, I well it wasn't if memory serves last year, didn't the White Sox acquire McCann and then acquire Rondal right after? They had McCann, I think. And then I they, they got acquired Grandel. McCann and then they got Grandel. So this could be the second year in a row for him where he's like, Hey, look at me, I'm the starting catcher. Oh, wait, I'm not. Oh, oops, my bad. But look, yeah, whatever I, I, it is. I don't know. It's, it's, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But I, I don't I don't see I I mean again I don't see I, I see all the things that you're saying. My my point is this is that if you have a new owner and he's got all the money, go get the best. Go get the best guy. And 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 well, the if their plan hey, that's the problem. If they have this grand plan to get Springer and and McCann, and that's the only way that they're willing to do it, then I'll sit back and say, Okay, that was the right call. You know, you got you got you wanted both guys, you got both guys. If they only end up with McCann this offseason, Joe, amongst the names that I just mentioned, then this is a bad uh-huh. move. Yeah, think. Yeah, think. I mean, Making if they sure. only end up sure. if they only end up with James McCann, by that is some cutting edge analysis for Craig Miz. If they only end up with McCann, it's a Making failure sure. of offseason. They can end up with Brian McCann. They can end up with James McCann. They can end up with uh, I don't know Can Can girls. They can end up with a lot of things. You know, the problem is. If you come in here with the bravado of this is big time ownership, we're going to start throwing money around and doing all this stuff. Well, James McCann's not the answer to that question. James McCann is is a good baseball signing for a team that has enormous uh, <laughs> lack of catcher depth in their organization, and I'm and I'm fine with it. But at least you got to give me Springer, you got to give me Bauer, or you got to make a big time trade. You got to do something. As far as I'm concerned, I, I got to tell you, I would still love to see them go take an Ahmed Rosario and go flip him and go get Carlos Correa. I really would. Uh, I mean, I, if we're going to go in this, let's go. Let's go. Let's bring in some guys with some teams who have won, and let's get some winning players in New York, and let's turn this thing around a little bit. But I have a worse feeling that with those Tanaka stuff and TJ LeMahieu stuff floating around, that the Yankees are going to come in and sign Trevor Bauer after signing Garrett Cole, and that's going to be a real problem for the rest of the league. Okay, we'll get there maybe tomorrow. We'll see. Okay, fantasy or reality? Let's go back to a little bit of football here. 
And we'll start off with a topic that we touched on a little bit earlier in the show, which is Ohio State still looking for someone to play, although the committee is meeting to determine whether or not Ohio State can play in the college football championship with limited games. And it does appear that they're going to, I'm sorry, the Big Ten championship, and it does appear that they're going to allow them. Uh, but uh, Texas A&M Fantasy Reality should play Ohio State this weekend, Joe. What you got on that? In a Disney movie, yes, reality. A Disney movie where you go out there, you say, hey, we're this good. This is our shot to prove it to the world. But unfortunately, I think you're right, which is this is a fantasy because why would you put yourself out like this if you're Texas A&M? Why would you have the risk when there could be other dominoes that fall in your place? So this is the matter of do you want to watch the dominoes fall into place for you? Or do you want to be proactive because you really believe in your program and you believe in the talent you have? But unfortunately, this is probably fantasy, even though I would like the reality, which is a a fantasy Disney film. So what do you think, Craig? Yeah, I think it forces Texas A&M into a position that no other team in college football is in. And I don't think that that's fair. All of the out-of-conference games that were scheduled at the beginning of the season, including Alabama playing against tough opponents outside of the conference that were all canceled, now Texas A&M should have to stand up and play that game for everyone else that didn't end up playing it. Florida, I know they usually play Florida State. It's not a big game this year because Florida State's not very good. That game was canceled. So all of the out-of-conference college football games more or less were canceled this year, and now you're asking the Aggies to make up for all that and play Ohio State so Ohio State can qualify? No, I don't think that they should have to do that. If, if Ohio State needs another game, it's got to be somebody in the conference. The conference decided very early on, for safety's sake, that they did not want to play during COVID. And then when all the other conferences announced that they did, safety wasn't nearly as important to the Big Ten because they ended up playing their season anyway. They made a mistake. They jumped the gun. Politically, I'm not saying it's right or wrong that they ended up playing this season, but perhaps they should have waited a little bit longer before taking that preemptive strike like the Pac-12 who ended up playing all their games anyway, too. I'm going to say fantasy. All right, last night, uh, Des Bryant ended up testing uh, positive for COVID, didn't end up playing in the game uh, against the Dallas Cowboys and ended up drinking a glass of wine. So we asked the question here, fantasy or reality, you had a glass of wine last night. This is a fantasy, but uh, I would love a glass of wine right now even. I mean, heck, why not? I mean, Joe's almost over. I got the Sports Grid 60. Maybe we should do the Sports Grid 60 with uh, with wine or whiskey once in a while. We should maybe on Fridays. Maybe that's a new tradition we do on the network. We'll see if we can get that approved. Uh, but I feel bad for Dez because I think he definitely needed a drink after this. I mean, this guy clearly had this game circled, okay, on the schedule in his workout room at home, right? He's clearly going, this is my chance to play the Cowboys. And of all the games for this to happen to him, I get it, man. No, I did not have glass of wine. I can understand why Des Bryant might have had two or three. And, and you know what, Des? I get it. You were really hard to come back here in a COVID-riddled season. You were on the practice squad. You were doing all these different things to get in this game. And then you get your opportunity to stick it to the Dallas Cowboys. And something tells me Des Bryant would have had a couple catches last night that, you know, these kind of guys tend to show up in those kind of games. And I think Des was really looking forward to this. So, of course, he had the overreaction of saying, I'm out. I'm never playing football again, which – is a fallacy. I'm sure he's going to go play in a couple weeks because, look, if they're in the playoffs, you tell me Des Bryant's not going to want to play in the playoffs. Of course he is. There's more money involved there. So, of course. So, clear heads prevailed. I guess that third glass of wine settled him down a little bit. So, no, I did not. But uh, I will have a glass of wine this weekend. I'll tell you what. It's been a long week. And when that Black Book goes up on Saturday on Amazon, there's definitely at least a whiskey or something like that in my future this weekend. 
Well, I will say fantasy also. I did not have a glass of wine. Uh, we're trying to get through this uh, Netflix show, Queen's Gambit, and so we got through two. Uh-huh. That was that was the guilty pleasure for, for last night. And um, the, wine, the wine for me. But my, my, my wife is more of a wine drinker than I am, I guess. I don't know. It's kind of the way I'm a it red happens, wine but... guy. I like Pinot Noirs. I like the uh, I like the um, Chiantis. Certain Chiantis are very good, and uh, I, I do like uh, the occasional Shiraz. But I, I got to tell you, the uh, the Malbacks, the Malbacks, the last couple of years, they've really um, captured my fancy. I highly recommend some good Malbacks, like the, the Almas. That's a nice brand of uh, of Malbec. In case you're looking for a nice bottle of wine, see we're full service here on Fantasy Sports today. That's there what it is. Malbec. I, I thought I saw that show on HBO Max, but no, it's wine. It's, it's a great show. Cool. It's a great show. Yeah. Kevin James. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Finally, this is the easiest one on the board here. <laughs> Fantasy or reality breakdancing is a sport. Let me go first on this. I mean, we literally, less than a month ago, had one of the top breakdancing artists of all time and judges on this show talking about the art of breakdancing for the Red Bull Championships. It was going on, I believe, in early November. And now uh, they're going to have it in Paris in 2024 as a sport, and they should. This is reality. It definitely is a sport. This is not easy to do. Dancing is not easy, and specifically breakdancing is very difficult, not just from the physicality point of view, but coming up with the routines and, and doing all the things that they do. I, you know, when I was younger, I tried to do this, breakdancing and do it all that. But um, yes, absolutely, this is a sport. I am totally on board with it that can express your individuality and creativity i am in on big reality for me i, I knew this was going to rile you up that's why i threw this one in there today i knew it i wanted to hear craig get on the horse about this one you know here's here's my take on this i don't like art as competition like i'm not a big fan at this stage of my life of the oscars and award shows and things like that because i think it's very strange to say your art is better than everyone else's art this year just this year and this person's performance is better than that. Like, like I, it's kind of just bizarre to me at this point in time. Now, breakdancing is more of an art. And and this is where it gets a little, you know, dicey for me because, you know, is it an art or is it a physical, uh, you know, uh, performance in, in peace and, and spectacle? And, and I think when you look at gymnastics, say, how different is it than gymnastics? There's choreography in the floor routines, right? Or, or in figure skating and things like that. I mean, those basically, I would say, athletic arts. And I do believe it's reality. I think breakdancing is an athletic art form. So if you're talking about art forms and athletics, you've already got figure skating, you've already got you know gymnastics, you, you've got a, a lot of things that, that kind of encompass that. So why not breakdancing? So I think this is great. I'll tell you what, it's going to be reality. I'm going to watch this. I'm sure you, I know you're going to watch this. I know you, I mean, you're going to have that whatever NBC sports, you know, 1250 or whatever the heck it is, whatever channel this is on, you're going to find it. The DVR is going to be set and you're going to be watching this. And maybe just maybe get our friend back in a couple of years. We're still doing this show and have him talk about it. Who knows? Maybe he'll be involved in this, but I think it's cool. It's a, I always like when they start to update things and bring in new sports and things like that. I don't like when they get rid of some of the, you know, like baseball. I didn't like when they got rid of baseball, but you know, still, I think it's fun. They're adding uh, breakdancing. All right, coming up next, it's time for the Sports Grid 60. Andrew Erickson will be with us on tomorrow's show, getting you ready for the fantasy football playoffs. So make sure to stay on the grid. And stay tuned. More fantasy sports today is coming up after this two-minute So don't go. Sports. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Just a brief reminder, as we get closer to the fantasy football playoffs, Andrew Erickson from Pro Football will be with us tomorrow on the show Make sure you catch the program tomorrow as well as on demand, 24 hours a day, seven days a week over on our YouTube channel. You can get all the information at sportsgrid.com. Start it over to Joe Pizapia. Closes us out with the SportsGrid 60. Joe? Thomas Nito and Ali Sanchez. Those are the only two catchers on the Mets 40-man roster. So if indeed James McCann is the next signing of the New York Mets, it, it certainly makes sense. This is a team that desperately needs some catcher depth. They also signed Trevor May this past week. And Trevor May is a, a good bullpen arm, and they could certainly use some bullpen depth. But Steve Cohen, this is New York. It's Christmas time. It's been a tough 2020, and Mets fans want some bigger presents. These guys are like stocking stuffers, and that's fine. Sometimes in stocking stuffers, you get the candy, you get maybe a fun ornament, maybe a cool new toothbrush when you're a kid that's maybe motorized and one of your favorite characters. And all that is well and done. And those are nice things and all necessary things because we all want fresh breath and, you know, we all want a catcher. But we want something big under the tree this year. And that means Trevor Bauer, it means George Springer, maybe JT Realmuto. I don't know. It means something more than this. So, Steve Cohen, I understand there's still plenty of days left before Christmas. And I know we're in the thickest shopping season. And I know Amazon does the two-day delivery, and that's great. So make sure you get on that Amazon Prime. Make sure you get us a big ticket free agent or something via trade because Mets fans know the difference between stocking stuffers and real presence. All right, I'll end with a little football discussion. I, I think that me forgetting that the game was on last night, uh, maybe it doesn't speak to everybody, but I think it does speak to the average NFL fan. And, and I think what you have to understand is that it's better to have sports than not right now, so this is not a complaint. But what makes football so special is the fact that it is only one day a week or twice a week or sometimes even three. I, I, I get that Thursday, so day but the tuesday stuff has got to go i i mean between college and pro thursday saturday sunday monday tuesday i love sports i do but no more tuesday night games please for the rest of my lifetime hopefully we won't have to with a vaccine next year but i've uh i've seen enough and honestly i didn't see any of it <laughs> that'll do it for the show thanks to brett danny and ryan and of course our friends at lpn for my co-host joe Pizzia, i'm craig Mitch. see you tomorrow right here fantasy sports today have a great night everybody 